Hello everybody, it has just gone midnight here, so technically it's the 5th, my god, 2024, January the 5th, here on the Eastern Seaboard of Australia, as we venture into this new crazy year. Um, so there's an article published uh, a few hours ago called Provocations to Disappear a Genocide. So the two events that have happened in the Middle East... Uh, over the last couple of days, well, three technically, whatever, date numbers. Uh, and so the first was the assassination of the deputy leader of Hamas in Beirut, Lebanon. Uh, he was killed by a flying drone armed with explosives. Have a look at the picture in the article for a shot of the uh, amount of damage that it did to the building. Six other civilians were killed. So just on that, as a sideline, we've entered a new era um, uh, post the Ukraine war where, you know, flying drones with explosives. It's a bit wet mad, right? Anyway, so that happens and um, nobody's claimed responsibility. Like everybody knows Israel did it because that's what's happening, right? Who else would attack the Hamas political leadership but Israel? Uh, who else would fly a military drone into Lebanese airspace and blow it up in the capital city in the civilian area, Israel. Okay. The other thing that happened is actually very interesting. So there was a parade on the fourth anniversary of the assassination of Qassem Soleimani, uh, who was a general uh, of the Quds Force. Quds means Jerusalem the Quds Force of the Iranian Rev Re Revolutionary Guard Corps. Yes, the IRGC. He was incredibly well-respected in Iran. So, um, back in 2014, when ISIS was doing its fun thing, partially supported by the US and other mad people, um, in Iraq, actually, and they were you know, capturing towns and, and the Iraqi... Uh, army that had been beautifully trained by the US was giving up all of its weapons and, and vehicles and the ISIS was going, well, thanks for that. And they were on their way marching and motoring down the highways towards Baghdad, which is a very holy city in uh, Islam. And uh, cleric al-Sistani put out a fatwa, which is a call to arms, and said, we have to defend the holy city of Baghdad. And uh, Qasem Soleimani... Uh, came from Iran and helped organise this. He essentially designed, trained, and uh, fought with uh, the popular mobilisation units, the PMUs, as they were known. And they defended Baghdad, defeated the ISIS menace uh, before it got to Baghdad. And so that was a great thing for Islam, that the holy city was defended from the invading Sunni hordes, <laughs> extremist mad people, Salafist widows um so he was he was a he was a big dude and he was involved in a political project that was set up at the same time uh so the u.s and with collusion and uh, participation from uh some gulf monarchies like i think it was the uae it was qatar one of them and the saudis and then other local art hollery like the uh the israelis uh, and of course the Turks were taking advantage of the whole situation and facilitating a lot of stuff and there were um, crazy buggers from Central Asia shipped in too, there was a lot of foreign fighters that were trying to bring down the Assad regime and very well coordinated by the, by the uh, 
CIA and, and other military intelligence organizations, but there was also the MI6 thing of the, um, the white helmets, a complete construct, fake news thing. Uh, anyway, that was back in the day, that was fun. Anyway, so the political project was by Iran, and that was to set up what became known as the Axis of Resistance. And so that was Iran and Syria, who have a mutual defence treaty, and also Hezbollah from Lebanon. So they were the sort of elements of the Axis of Resistance, and you could perhaps these days maybe consider Hamas as part of that. But there's a bit of a broken relationship between um, Sunni Hamas and uh, Shia Hezbollah, because Hamas fought with the other insurgents against Syria during the Syrian dirty war. So there's a bit of, you know, a bit of history there. Anyway, this, um, it was the fourth anniversary of the assassination of um, the most respected Qassam Soleimani, and there was a procession to his grave in uh, the southern holy city of uh, Canaan, and uh, two bombs went off along the procession route, and 100 people were killed and 200 were injured and there were women and children and whatever. It was a you know, completely civilian affair, a religious ceremony even, and uh, it was a terrorist attack. And uh, nobody's uh, claimed responsibility, and everybody knows who did it. And the article states that it was um, Israel. Well, they have all of the motive that one would want, and uh, they're quite happy killing people in Iran all the time, nuclear scientists, politicians, whatever, they'll kill anyone they want. So this is the supposition. Uh, and well, the article lays out um, the motivations, the advantages for Israel that will happen uh, if they manage to draw the uh, US into this whole mess. And the first, of course, is that as soon as the US starts fighting Hezbollah in uh, Lebanon, then all of the US media will look at that. Nobody will look at Gaza anymore, and therefore the IDF don't have to fight Hezbollah. They can just go and kill the Palestinians in Gaza. Much easier. And the other thing that th- this popped up recently was that uh, Israel has been having discussions with the Congo and several other African nations about whether they'd like to take some Palestinian refugees. Hello, train. Uh, so the, uh, the Zionists are absolutely committed to getting rid of the Palestinians, either six feet under or six feet on the other side of the border. <laughs> they don't care. So that's, the, that's basically what's been going down. But if we just... If we feel the vibe, I think we can understand what's going to happen here because it's a very, very... It's teetering. It's teetering, not tottering. It's teetering on the brink. Uh, It's a very, very uh, chaotic situation. It could go in any number of ways. But I think there's one possibility that's more likely than others. So, let's have a plug in the, the greater picture. A little bit of crook again. We know that Blinken Lights is on his way. He's probably there already. Uh, but he's already declared his allegiances. He's part of the um, Zionist, Israeli, US, dual national people. Um, and, and I presume, based upon the fact that the US have taken one of their aircraft carriers out of the Eastern Med, as they like to say, I think he's meant to send a message to say, call your jets. Uh I'm not sure whether he's smart enough to work out what Israel are doing here, um, trying to you know cause chaos and, and, and drag the US in. But that doesn't really... Who knows? I don't think he's smart enough to, to know which way's up. So let's just widen out a little bit. So just ge- geographically, don't forget about um, uh, Erdogan in Turkey. He's staked a bit of his political career on being a sort of hero for, for the... Uh, 
Islamic uh, peoples and sort of a new Ottoman Empire game. Uh, and he's got a very effective uh, military and it's not to be laughed at at all. And then the other per group to think about is what's Syria doing? Hmm. I had this funny idea a while, a while back which went like this. Essentially, what um, with Syria, so uh, Erdogan has a little chat with Assad and, uh, and they agree. Assad says, right, you're allowed to move, um, you know, some brigades of your military through Syria uh, and we'll exchange supplies. So you, you know, we'll give you some of our supplies and then you ship yours from um, uh, t- Turkey to here to make the logistics a bit easier. But no causing any trouble to us, but you're allowed to go in there and attack uh, the Golan Hearts, right? It's our territory and we permit you to go in there and smack the crap out of the Israelis. And then what do you have? I mean, consider that. Right? This is the sort of thing that can happen. It's a bit, it's a bit scary. The other one to think about is um, what's Egypt going to do? And I think what Egypt wants to do more than anything else is nothing. They want to stay out of this as much as possible. Uh, but also they, don't, they cannot accept the refugee flows. Which is another point that came up recently. Apparently Israel's been having a chat to Congo and a few other African nations saying, would you like to have some Palestinian refugees? They're really doing everything they possibly can to get rid of these Palestinians, either six foot under or over the border. They don't care. So, the, but all these regional considerations and so forth, I think pale into insignificance when one looks at what's really going on. So, China has invested more than... 10 trillion US dollars in setting up their BRI project, right? That's the Built and Road Initiative. And there's an awful lot hinging on this. And Russia is deeply invested in this too. Actually, it's the old risk board, right? They're taking over Asia, which is the continent that no one's ever allowed to, to have because there are too many armies per turn. That's what they're doing. And if this Middle Eastern thing blows up, it throws it, it's too much risk to use the word again it because it's the nexus it's the it's the transport nexus between africa asia and europe uh it's too important uh and also because that's where all the, the oil is if if the oil deliveries don't flow then the entire global economy gets smacked over and that means all of the powerful people uh in the u.s will be very alarmed about this too and just what the little <laughs> Ansar Allah have been doing, that's the Houthis for the mainstream media, what they've done is amazing, right? They've scared the crap out of the Europeans because all of their import-export suppliers are risked, right, by what they've been doing. And we've seen the you know maritime insurers having a chat to uh, Tehran and, and uh, Sanaa, um, to try and you know work out what can and can't be done to secure um, transport because they don't trust the, the the Yanks to secure their um, their ships it doesn't work right so um, so the the powerful families from Europe are worried because their economies are all in trouble the very rich people from the US are also very worried because if the oil supplies global oil supplies get fucked up then the whole thing goes down like a pack of cards now, don't forget this how many trillions of US dollars stuck up in the in the futures market anyway and the huge investment that China and Russia have got, there's too much writing on this is my theory and therefore cooler heads need to prevail and if they do what happens Israel keeps doing dumb shit and everyone just goes 
everybody, calm down. Let Israel be stupid. We'll get them in the end. Calm down. Don't overreact. And then this is what happens. The hatred of Israel just gets larger and larger and larger. I mean, could it get much worse? They're bloody murdering babies every day. So that's what happens. If everyone just keeps their cool and the global economy just ticks along and you know, BRI project just inches forward and da 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 da, everything goes on and the, you know the power players will just go. Well, that means we just need to change sides now. We get out of the US and out of Europe and we start clubbing up with the you know the new power brokers, which is the SEO and BRICS Plus and so forth, and, and we just they they ditch Israel and they ditch <laughs> ditch the US too. It was useful while it lasted. They'll just change ships. That's my theory. So there you go. Nasty as all hell. But that's how it, that's how it is when you get up there. No one gives a shit about nations either. All they care about is power, and they can see where it's moving. So my theory is too much riding on this. No one's going to overreact. They're just going to let Israel commit hari kari. And if the U.S. is smart, they'll cut the Zionists loose and let them commit hari kari by themselves. Otherwise, the U.S. goes down with it. It's that's that's what I see. Anyway, I've been wrong before. It's probably going to happen again. Have fun. See you next time.